Welcome to another episode of Dear Nina, Conversations About Friendship. Today, we're talking about a topic that people have written to me about consistently over the nine years or so that I've been writing about friendship, and that is being an introvert in an extroverted world. I am so glad that I have Heidi Shurtok here to help me. Heidi is becoming a very well-known romantic comedy writer. She lives right here in Minneapolis. Heidi's stories have a fun niche in the rom-com world. She is an Orthodox woman, and her romance novel stars an Orthodox woman, and her book is called Unorthodox Love. I have not read it yet, but I'm very excited to read it, and it's gotten wonderful reviews so far. I know we'll just keep getting lots of attention. Heidi and I both live in Minneapolis. We don't really know each other, although we have seen each other from afar and on social media over the years, and we both kind of hop around and the same community somewhat. She's really in the Orthodox community. I call myself from friendly. I want to call myself that. I call myself that because I am not Orthodox, but I have probably more Orthodox friends than most non-Orthodox Jewish women. We have known each other as writers from afar for a long time. Yeah. yeah. So let me officially say hi, Heidi, and welcome to Dear Nina. Hi, Nina. Thank you so very much for having me on the show. I am so excited to be here, especially to discuss this topic that is so near and dear to my heart. I think what would be helpful is if we first define introvert and extrovert the way you see it. And then I can tell you if I see it differently, because those are very common words nowadays with like the way Instagram is and the way memes are. I mean, those words just get thrown around a lot. So let's make sure we're operating under same enough definitions. Yes, I would love that, especially because growing up, I had very different definitions of what it meant. I always thought that being an introvert automatically means you're kind of shy, quiet, bookish, Whereas being an extrovert meant you're loud and bubbly and you love to party, that sort of thing. And then later, maybe in the last decade or so, I discovered what it really means to be an introvert or an extrovert is what gives you energy and what takes away your energy. So for an introvert, what gives me energy, for example, is being by myself in a quiet room away from people, whereas being an extrovert, which I have a lot of friends who are extroverts, and they just want to be with people. That's how they get their energy. I'm operating under the same exact definition. I also consider myself an introvert. You had told me that you consider yourself an introvert and that you sometimes run into issues with that? Well, first of all, just growing up, it just gave me some sort of complex because I knew I wasn't like my friends. My friends were constantly saying, hey, do you want to come over after school? Let's do a sleepover. Let's do this. Let's do that. And after being in the classroom all day with these people, I just wanted time away from them. And I also just wanted time away from my family. I just wanted time to watch TV or read a book just to sort of settle myself down. But it seemed like my friends didn't need that. They just wanted to keep the party going. I always joke about in my marriage, I've talked about this piece of it a lot, is that Brian, my husband, is definitely an extrovert. And we go out a lot of Saturday nights with friends. And I love being with my friends. But when I'm home, I'm done. I, I would love to read, watch a show, right? You can relate to right. that. His cup is now overflowing in a good way. And he wants to like keep it overflowing. And my cup has been diminished by then. It starts full. Like I'm excited to see everybody. Right. I do want to be with people. Friendship, obviously, that goes without saying, is important to me. But I am like you. Yes. I have to have alone time. We've gotten to the point where he puts in his 
calendar. I don't think this is something I've shared before. It's a fun Brian tidbit. Brian's a fun character. He puts in his calendar every Sunday to make sure I've had some alone time because he knows if I haven't by about five o'clock on Sunday, I'm super unpleasant to be around. That is so awesome. I am going to tell Daniel to do that because he is totally an extrovert, even though people think he's the introvert because he's more quiet and shy at first. So as an adult, especially in a community like yours, I'm interested in how being an introvert in the Orthodox community where there's so many celebrations and sad reasons to get together. I mean, there's just a lot of getting together. Oh my gosh, I am so happy you brought that up. And in fact, I wrote a piece for Kveller. Do you know Kveller? Yes, I've written many pieces for them. I think my first piece was about that, was just how difficult it is because of all this partying. I figured Moses and all those people must have obviously been huge extroverts. You That's know? funny. But here, yeah, so definitely within the confines of my community, there is so much getting together. My worst nightmare, for example, is God forbid if there comes a time when I'm going to have a parent die or, you know, something like That where you have to sit Shiva, which is basically you're at home and you can't leave the house for seven days. And then everybody you know and their mother comes trampling in. I think there are set hours, but there's way too many hours and you can't wear makeup. So it's just my complete nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know, I've been to some Shivas in the community and it's a different scene that it is in the non-Orthodox community. And I don't know if you've ever been to a non-Orthodox Shiva. I mean, it's somewhat like you're describing. I don't feel like people adhere to the makeup piece, for example. And it's not that common that people do seven days anymore. That's a lot. And, you know, so that's just one example. I do know somebody who actually hid in her bedroom. And I'm like, that is so cool. That's what I'm going to be doing. I mean, it really is up to you, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, what are they going to do? Drag me out? (laughs) Right. So in your life, how have you found a way to solve for this? I'll try to figure out what I have done too. I would love to hear your tips. Well, first of all, The goal is not to freak out because that has happened to me before where many years ago we were hosting Shabbat lunch and we had a couple young families over with young kids. And by the time it was hour four of everyone running around in my house screaming, just so much noise, I didn't know what to do. So I literally went out the back door of my house and I walked for miles. And by the time I came back, Shabbat was almost over. And my husband said to me, well, everyone's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Did he apologize for you? Like, what does he do? That's a good question. I think he does. In fact, he does tell people, okay, you think my wife is this party type person, but actually she's not, but I'm interested. So he does tell people with my good friends, for example, they know who I am and they know not to be insulted. And a lot of them are in fact introverts themselves, which probably helps. They get it. They know it's not personal. One solution I have for myself is that I often schedule walks with friends as opposed to lunches, which is for many reasons. It's not just because of the introvert thing, but I sit so much. And you probably also sit a lot as a writer. I sit a lot as a podcaster and a writer. And I almost really can't take like another hour to sit. And it's never an hour. Lunch is not really an hour. A walk is an hour. Lunch is an hour and 25 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes a difference. That is such a good tip. So unfortunately, because I'm in that Orthodox community, I mean, I love the idea of it. But there's two meals where it's not even just one course and dessert. You usually have 
not always, but it's like two quarts. It's like a three hour. Well, thing you're talking on about average. on Shabbat on Saturday. On Shabbat, yeah. sorry. And it's every week. You don't always have to have guests, of course. And so a lot of times we don't just for our sanity. I mean, even Daniel, he's the cook, so he needs a break every now and then. It's just, it feels constant. And then when the holidays roll around, you know, it's just a lot for an introvert. I really should do another episode sometime on the art of who to invite for all these meals and how to get invited, which maybe is a little too niche orthodox. (laughs) So there's another term that I've been hearing more in the past handful of years. I'm sure it's been around longer than that. Have you ever heard of an ambivert? Yes. My brother says that's what he is. I wonder if that's what I am. What I understand of that is that if we're saying an introvert is not necessarily shy, which people really do. You said that I'm saying it too. People really use that word incorrectly. I mean, shy is a thing, but that you can be introverted and shy. You could also be extroverted and shy, meaning you get energy from being around other people, but it takes a minute for you to speak up. I'm not shy at all, but I just get the energy sapped after a while. But the fact that I do like to be around people so much, I wonder if I'm an ambivert. They say an ambivert is someone who may need alone time to recharge, but also does feel energized around people. Maybe that's closer. And my sister has said, for example, she considers herself an introvert, except when it comes to certain people, like our mom or me or her best friend, she can be around those people all the time. And in fact, she's happier like that. So I don't know if that's a whole other thing or if that is an ambivert. And I will say that when I'm around like one of my sisters-in-law, Jackie, shout out to Jackie, is also an introvert. And sometimes we joke about we can be together and not talk. So we will open our computers. We will unabashedly have coffee or something and talk. But then after a while, we'll be like, do you want to just work? You know, we'll just like open our computers and we'll be together, but we have no problem where someone else might consider that rude or insulting. That's two introverts who want to be out of the house, who enjoy each other's company, but also still need the quiet time and you can kind of get lost in your own thing in a good way. That's what I want, I think, sometimes from Brian, which he's unable to do. That's why he has to put it in his calendar. Because if I'm in a room, he has to talk to me. He just has to. That is so funny, only because it's so similar to Daniel. Unless he's on his phone doing YouTube or something, then he's okay. Is there any other way being an introvert has been an issue for you? Yes. If I am having, let's say, family issues with my kids or something kind of serious, I put my friendships on the back burner because I can only handle so much stimulation or noise or like we said earlier, my energy. So I will prioritize my energy on my family. And it really at one point broke a friendship I had with one of my closest friends because of that. So she felt like you weren't there for her or slighted or what do you think? Well, I kind of freaked out, in fact. And later I apologized. She's somebody who needed more energy and on a day-to-day basis. And I just said to her, I need a break from you. I'm sorry, but I need time away from you. I felt terrible for the longest time. She felt terrible. And then she re-reached out to me. And so now we're good again. But that was very traumatic for on both sides. So I, first, I appreciate you sharing that because I think people don't share stories like that enough. I love a story with a reconciliation because you can reconcile. It doesn't always have to be, okay, we had this thing and now we're never friends again. But like maybe you could be friends differently now. Instead of talking every day, could you catch up once a week on the phone? Maybe that's enough at this stage of life. Another friend of mine had said to me, you know what? You just need to set 
firmer boundaries. So when we did reconcile, you know, and we were hugging and saying goodbye to her, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to be giving you as much attention as before, because I have a lot going on now, but I still want to have a friendship with you. And right away, she accepted that. This touches on something I really try to get across a lot. You just can't have every friend for every reason. So it's like you freed her up. You were honest with her. It's actually a, a gift. You were honest with her to say, I can't be this friend to you. But that liberated her to go find someone who could be a friend like that to her instead of looking in the wrong place. She was looking to you. You were the wrong person. Doesn't mean that you can't be friends. You just can't be that friend. It's almost like when you're dating somebody, but you're in it short term and that person needs long term. It's almost like you're wasting their time a little, like you're not really in it. So this did free her up to look for other friends. It would be nice if you knew what someone's intentions were. Because we don't wear it on our shirts. Yeah, I know. And people aren't always good at like reading signs. It's sometimes we get frustrated. We're like, oh, I tried to let them know. I didn't text back or I didn't call back. That is a good place to start because sometimes it's nice not have to be so direct. But if that's not working, then you're going to have to be direct, which is hard. I'm not saying that's easy. So this friend of yours, she's not doing anything wrong. She's someone who likes to be yeah. real close touch, like in close touch, talk on the phone a lot. She needs a daily friend and you just can't be that for her. Exactly. And I mean, everyone's just wired differently. That's how I think of it. Some people are morning people, some people are night people. So it's kind of the same thing. I always would shame myself and I still do, to be honest, because we live in an extroverted world. I feel terrible that I can't give more of myself to my friends when they need it all the time. Do you think social media is making us a less extroverted world. I wonder if it is and in this way, not a good way. Or is it a different kind of extroversion because you still have to be on? Right. I feel like it's different, but also the same. It's still sapping my energy when people are texting me and we're texting at the same time. Maybe I put too much pressure on myself to respond right away or this person's waiting for me. I'm like the worst combination because I tend to want to be a people pleaser. But then at the same time, I guess... I become resentful later or I let it build up and it's not healthy. It's kind of a bad combination being an introvert and a people pleaser. <laughs> yeah, you got to work on that, Heidi. That is a bad combination. I know. Tell me about it. I, I can relate to that. I have a lot of people pleasing. I've talked about that in many episodes and it's not good to be a people pleaser because it's impossible. It's an impossible task. You cannot please everyone. So I try to tell myself that, but it's easier to tell somebody else. Being a people pleaser yes. sets you up for failure, basically. And it's really hard as an author, of course, because you definitely find out very quickly you're not going to please everybody. Well, you know, if you don't mind, I'd love to transition to discussing the sure. book because I cannot wait to read it. I seeing so much buzz about this book and to be in this very particular niche of orthodox romance. Okay, tell me first, will orthodox readers read it? I know some will. Will my high school principal read it? I sure hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's sort of a spectrum when it comes to orthodox women as to how much sort of outside, what would you call that? Like entertainment? The secular yeah, like what they would expose themselves to. So I think the people who are comfortable reading a romance will definitely read it. And people who wouldn't read a romance will not. So I've read The Matzo Ball by Jean Meltzer. That was the first time I had read really a Jewish rom-com. It wasn't Orthodox in this case, was it? There was some traditional, I think maybe her parents were like modern Orthodox or just maybe Orthodox. Okay. But the main character wasn't. That was a great concept in that book. She was 
secretly writing Christmas romances. I loved it. Films, maybe. And she's a rom-com writer, too. She endorsed your book. She is really sweet in real life. And so I really love her, too. I just get so much support from other authors. And every time, it just surprises me. It is nice because it is kind of back to the introvert thing. A lot of authors are introverts. And then once it's time to promote your book, now you have to kind of get over whatever amount of solitude that you require and everything. And you have to be out there, whether in real life or on social media, pushing that book. And I feel terrible because my publishers are like every day be promoting every single day. But basically, it feels weird to be constantly doing self-promotion. It just feels like, hey, this is my life. It's almost the antithesis of what... I believe people should, I don't know. It just feels No, weird. I know. I have it too with the podcast. I had somebody in my life give me a hard time once about promoting myself. And she's like, oh, you're so promotional. Ooh. And I'm sort of like, no one's going to know about this thing unless I tell them. I cannot rely on just the goodness of friends and family to spread the word. That's not how it works. It starts no. with me, the creator of this podcast, I'm the one who's going to let people know and then people will share it from there. But people are not running around being like, hmm, whose book and podcast can I promote today? No, like you got to do it yourself. That's unfortunately how it is. There's numbers to back that up. The more often you post, the more likely other people will see your stuff. So I mean, that's just plain science right there. (laughs) That's right. That's just how it is. (laughs) But in terms of the book, we're not really on the topic anymore. It's just so nice to be able to have you here to talk about this. Was it hard to get this book published because of its very specific niche? Because you're not with a Jewish publisher, right? Right. So it's really funny because I never thought for a second that any agent would be interested in me, but I did that first round of querying and within a few hours, I got a response and interest. My husband did the actual querying because I didn't want to do all that computer stuff. I get this email two weeks later, and this woman from the UK says, hi, you queried me your book, but because I'm in the UK, you're going to need a US agent. So I went ahead and I hope it's all right. And I found you a US agent and we both agreed we would partner. That's incredible. Oh my God. And then so for our first Zoom meeting that I had with them before we did a contract, their first question is, so why did you go to a UK agent? Did you have a good answer? Was it like my husband did it? And then I said, well, I asked my husband that. And he said, I don't know. She popped up first. So funny. She must be doing a lot of posting. Did they get a kick out of the fact that your husband was the one doing it? They they didn't really laugh. They're just like, oh. <laughs> that, they're like, that's different. Okay. I love but that. Isn't that a weird story? Yeah. And then the acquisition process when you're selling it to the different publishing houses, and of course, you start off at the biggest houses, that was really rough because the editors would like it, for example. Some did, some didn't. But if the rest of the people that in the house didn't like it, because you needed like five other people up there to agree that this book is going to make the house money. And if they didn't agree, forget about it. So I would get my hopes up and then they'd be dashed and then they'd get up and then they'd be dashed. But within three months, I had gotten a US deal. And then after that, my UK deal came in maybe a month later. And then my Brazil deal, I didn't even know that was like a thing that but I guess there was a scout who had gone to the UK 
from Brazil and he heard about it or she heard about it. So they think there is an audience reading in Portuguese, an Orthodox rom-com. I just love this world we live in. That makes me happy. And it's bizarre because I know they translated it into Hebrew for an Israeli person and it was turned down. Wow. And so crazy world. Crazy world. And it is so hard nowadays to make a niche for yourself, especially in romance, because it's all been done before. I was telling my Catholic friend, hey, maybe you could write Catholic romance, but that's been done. Amish romance has been done. So Orthodox Judaism luckily hasn't been really done a little bit with Jean, like we were were saying. But yours Um, is different. You're a trailblazer. Right here from Minneapolis. I'm so proud. I guess I give thanks to my parents because this is how they raised me. (laughs) So you grew up Orthodox. Yes. My family's Chabad, which I love. Chabad is where my heart is. Me too. I didn't grow up Chabad. I grew up Reform, but we love Chabad. I just love what they stand for. But the schools I went to are more what they would call Litvish or Yeshivish. So it's a different style, but also Orthodox. Is your book being marketed for adults? What do you think? I have a 16-year-old teenage daughter, and she read it. She was slightly traumatized by a line or two. (laughs) So in general, I would say if you are someone who's more careful about what you let your kids read, then this is probably not the book for you even though they are calling it a clean romance. Let's end with, just tell us what the book's about. I probably should have started with that. So my book is about an Orthodox Jewish woman who found out that she was infertile as a teenager. And because of that, she was not set up with the cream of the crop, so to speak. So by the time she was 29, she had just sort of accepted the fact that, okay, I'm just not going to find love. I'm not going to have kids. That's that. But she still tried to make the best of it. Who enters the scene? But this hot, sexy new boss who is Jewish, but secular, came out of a nasty divorce. He is not interested in a relationship anyway. And yet they have this incredible chemistry and banter. And he's so fascinated because he's never met a woman quite like Penina because she's orthodox, but she's also got quite the sass. And she's also just really committed to her values. She loves being orthodox. She is very strong in it. Do you have a film agent? I do have a film I love agent. This. But she said that it would only become a film if it did really well. And also she said many times books get turned into film even sometimes like 10 years later. Yeah. It was a great phone call though. I could see she's amazing at what she does. She made me cry about my book. <sighs> she was like, buckle up girl, because I'm about to tell you what I love. And then for the next 10 minutes, I'm like, oh my God. Is she Jewish? <laughs> yes. So she went to Jewish day schools. She's not Orthodox or anything, but I think she has that connection for sure. You know, you can teach her that she is from Friendly. You can let her know. <laughs> yes. Okay, Heidi, we have to say goodbye. I know we will be connected again, not just because we live in Minneapolis, just because I cannot wait to read this book. And thank you so very much for being here. Thank you, Nina. Listeners, come back next week when our friendships are going well, when we've given ourselves the alone time we need, when we have been with enough friends, if we're more extroverted. We are happier all around. Bye. You know how when you listen to a podcast, the host always asks you to rate it, to review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 
If a podcast has a lot of reviews and stars, then that is what gets shown. I am on my way with some great ratings and reviews, but of course I could always use more. So if you have enjoyed this episode or any other episode, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to do that. One other really helpful thing, if you like the show, is to just share it with a friend. Send them a text, send them an email, say, I'm enjoying this podcast about friendship. I think you would too. It makes a huge difference. Thank you for considering all of that. I appreciate your time and I hope I'll see you again next week. Bye.